So this weekend, uh, we're coming to the third weekend of our sermon series as we look at four small words that cover the narrative of the Scriptures. Our first weekend, we talked about the word of, that we are made in the image of God. It's a word of identity. It reminds you who you are. And in knowing who you are, it reminds you of your value, where the world might tell you that you're only valuable based on the things that you are able to do or accomplish or how much you have or what's in your life or you're invaluable because of your failures or what you don't have or your status. God reminds you of how valuable you are and who you are in that word of. You are made in the image of God. The second weekend, we looked at the word between. That when God created us in the image of God in the garden, sin came between us and God. That sin that separates. And yet Jesus entered into this world to be the go-between. Between us and the Father so that we might be with him again. Today we're going to look at that word, with. What does it mean that God is with us? It's a word of the gospel. But before we talk about that, I want to ask you this question. If you could spend three hours, one afternoon, with anybody living, any one living person, who would that be? If you had three hours, one afternoon, and could spend it with any one living person, who would it be? I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them, except, here's the caveat, you cannot pick your husband or your wife because that's what you should say, just throwing that out there. Like husbands and wives, it's what you should have said, okay? That, that's the first image. I know it all came to your mind, especially if you wanted a good ride home from church this morning. But uh, no family member and not Jesus, okay? So has to be non-family member, non-Jesus. Who would you spend that three hours with? Tell the person next to you, go. So I want to ask you this question as you're, as you, you're finishing that up. First is, is, I just want you to think to yourself, why did you pick that person? What was it about that person that caused you to pick that person? And the second question, this is the more important question is, as you pictured spending three hours with that one person on a Saturday afternoon or whatever that was, what were you doing? Were you texting them? Were you sending them a, a Facebook message? Because there are times I walk into my daughter's room and she'll be on her phone and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm spending time with my friend. Like, no, you're spending time with your phone and your friend's on the other side of that, but you're not really spending time with your friend, right? Like that is not really being with someone. In fact, it's it's been shown that we are the most disconnected, connected generation that there ever was because of technology. God didn't just send us a note or a letter. God came to be with us, to to spend time with us in our world. And who you hang around with matters for that reason. In fact, they say that if you want to know who you're becoming or what your values are, look at your five closest friends. It's because who you are with truly matters. In fact, 
you can think about it this way is, is who is on your with list? Meaning, who do you hang around with? It's important for our children, if you're parents or grandparents, who do you allow your children to hang around with? Is it the right influence, the right value systems, the with list? And today we're going to talk about what it means that God is with us. And why is that so significant? To be with us, a God who is with us, was not always a, a normal concept for a pagan culture at that time, in the time of Jesus. In fact, many times they would see their gods, their pagan gods, the Greek mythology and Roman mythology as gods who were far off somewhere else. And the only time that the gods visited them was not necessarily a good time. Many times the gods would show up so that they could trick them or punish them or, or the gods would do it for their own enjoyment and for their own pleasure, not for the sake of somebody else. And yet that's not why Jesus came. From the very beginning, God was a God who was with his people. We know that because in Genesis chapter 3, when sin came between God and man and woman, Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. They went and hid because they knew that God was going to walk with them in the garden. And that was not a surprise to them because it was normal to be with God. Moses knew what it was like to be with God. The burning bush, the pillar of fire that led them, and the cloud. Or in the Old Testament, when they had the tabernacle, they would have what was called the Shekinah, the, the glory of the Lord descend in a physical form in the temple or in the, the tabernacle, and they knew that God was with them. But throughout the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, it constantly talked about that time when God would truly be with them in physical form in the Messiah. So this morning, I just want to show you in the Gospels how God promises that He is with us and what those promises mean. From the very beginning, we get this image of a God who is with us. Joseph being promised to be the father of Jesus was told this by the angels, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And from that moment forward, God was with them in a way that was totally different than it ever had been before. God was with them in the person of Jesus. He entered into their world, and he didn't have to. He could have figured out some other way to do it, and yet in his grace and his mercy to, to demonstrate his ability to go through what we go through and, and to be able to understand that he entered into our flesh. He didn't stand outside of it, but he succumbed himself to the pain, the brokenness, the betrayals, the denials. He was a God who was for them and with them. He is with you. I know if you ever felt this, but there are days and there are weeks where it seems like God is with me a whole lot more than other times. You ever have those days and weeks? 
You know, it's the good weeks where everything is going right and, and the kids are behaving and, and nobody is sick and everything is going well. It's the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. It's the day that I was able to, when I went to Israel, stand up on the top of, of what they believe is Mount Sinai and just look out over the beauty of God's creation. The moment you're like, God, you are truly here. Then there's those other weeks. You had one of those? Where everything seems to go wrong, children aren't behaving, there's not enough money to pay the bills, there's pain, there's struggle, there's hurt. In the midst of that, you're, God, where are you? God, I thought you were a God who was with me and for me. Yet God reminds us in the scriptures that he is a God who is always with us, whether we glimpse him or not. Because we may lose sight of God, but God never loses sight of us. He always sees us. He is always with us. Our eyes might focus on the world and the difficulties and the circumstances, but the Savior never leaves our side. He is a God who called many people to walk with him. Matthew chapter 9, in the calling of the disciples, it says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Do you notice who Jesus came to be with? It wasn't those that people expected, was it? In fact, in our gospel reading, John chapter 4, we see Jesus, a Jew, who walks through Samaria. Samaria filled with Samaritans who, who are the outcasts. And yet Jesus stops at a well, knowing good and well that this woman would be coming there. It was no surprise to him. And when she showed up with her bucket to draw water, he says, can I have some of that water? And, and she goes and says, then he goes, well, if you would have known who I was, you would have asked me for water and I will give you living water. She goes, what is this living water? And he goes on and they have a conversation. And in the midst of the conversation, he goes, go and call your husband. She goes, well, I don't have a husband. He goes, you're right. In fact, you have had five husbands and the man you're now living with isn't even your husband. Not only was she a Samaritan woman, but she was a woman of ill repute. And yet Jesus didn't turn away from her. But Jesus came to be with her. Because when God is with us, he changes us. It's what he did to the woman at the well. Because she goes from that well, she goes back into the town and she goes and tells the people, this Jesus, he told me everything I ever did. Which, if you're thinking about her lifestyle, probably wasn't a good thing. And yet, she doesn't go back the same woman that she went to the well. God changed her. And when you and I come in contact with Jesus, he changes us. He changed Matthew. He changed fishermen. He changes us. He is a God who is with us. He is a God who's for us. He's a God who promises the same thing when he hung upon a cross. Luke chapter 23, as Jesus is hanging there between two criminals, 
One of the criminals who defends Jesus says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He's a God who restores those whose lifestyles turn drastically away from God. Who now follow his law, his will, or his way. Yet he's a God of grace and mercy. A God who invites us out of his restoration to be with him. He's the God who in Jesus walked the beach with Peter. The same Peter who said, Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you go. If you go to the cross, I will go with you. The same Peter who three times denied Jesus. It was that Peter that Jesus walked with on the beach and three times asked him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He restores those who he, are, he is with. It reminds me of a, a story told by uh, an author and speaker named Bob Goff. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He wrote a, uh, an outstanding book called Love Does. In the midst of that book, he tells a story about how he went and, and saw this painting. The painting was called The Puppeteer. He said, I have to have this painting. It'll fit perfect above uh, the fireplace mantle. And so I want this painting. He went and found out it was almost a six-figure cost to the painting. So for the next year, he saved every penny up that he had, and he bought this painting called The Puppeteer. So he went to collect the painting from the art collector, and he brought out to the art collector, brought out two boxes. He says, says, why are there two boxes? He goes, well, you get two paintings. He goes, why do I get two paintings? He goes, well, one of them is the museum quality, the original actual painting. The other one is a fake. What you need to do is you take the fake painting, you hang that on the wall, you take the real painting, and you put it in a vault somewhere so that nothing happens to it. Bob Goff's like, well, that's boring. He goes, I'm not putting the fake painting out. I want to put the real painting out. So he takes the real painting, the really expensive painting, and he hangs it above his fireplace mantle. Well, his family, his children were growing up at that time, and they had a tradition in their house every once in a while, and that tradition was they would have a rubber band gunfights. So they would take rubber bands, and they would shoot them at each other and fling them at each other and, and just have a lot of fun as a family. And so Bob tells the story of one morning he woke up, and he grabbed his coffee to sit in front of the fireplace, as was his morning routine. And as he's sitting there, he says he almost spilled his coffee because as he looked at the painting, he realized that the puppeteer had taken a rubber band to the face. His almost six-figure painting was now permanently marred by a rubber band. And Bob Goff says, you know what, I've come to love that painting. And I've come to love that mark on the painting. Because what that mark reminds me of is it reminds me of my life with my children. It reminds me that life is not always easy. Life has difficulties. It has scars. It has pain. And yet it's a life that is best lived when it's lived together with one another. It's what Jesus did. He came into our world to take on those scars those marks, those burdens, that brokenness for you and for me. And we all carry them, but we carry them together. It's Jesus who reminds us that he is going to always be with us as he is leaving his disciples. Would you read these words with me? And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you see the promise? He says, I'm about to ascend into heaven, but you will not be alone. I am with you always. That's what God tells you. When you go into the doctor to get that diagnosis, he is with you. When you go to the funeral of a loved one, he is with you. When you are laid off, when there is pain, when children are not listening, when there is brokenness in your marriage, God is with you. He is with you on the mountaintops, and he is with you in the valleys. It's what Paul reminds us of in Romans chapter 8. When Paul, speaking of this same exact thing, says it this way, he says, So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor powers, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, what prevents God from being with you? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing powerful enough to hold back God from being with you. One of the images that has always stood out with understanding this for me was my father. My dad who was always with me no matter what hill or valley I was in. One of the images that uh, reminded me of that and always stays with me is uh, my senior year of wrestling. My senior year of wrestling in the regional finals, I wrestled the kid who was ranked number one in the state and beat him 10 to one. And at that point, I was favored to win state that year. It's my senior year, my last chance to do it. In the first round, I have another wrestler who I know I can beat. I go into that mat, I take him down and just control him throughout those first two periods and I'm winning two nothing. Third period, I made a terrible decision to instead of choose to go on your feet, which is you're both facing each other where I had taken him down easily, to say, you know what, I want to score a couple extra points, so I'm going to start on bottom and get an escape. But he put what's called a wing in on my bad shoulder, walked the wing, and I spent the next couple of minutes on my back and ended up losing to someone I never should have, three to two. And my chance to win state was over. I remember at that moment that I went over to a dark corner in the corner of the gym, laid down on a mat that was there by myself, and was just distraught. Because the only thing I wanted to do was win state. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I don't even care about the next, I don't want to wrestle the next match. I'm done. All I cared about was, was first or nothing. And in that moment, my dad came to be with me. He wasn't with me with a text message. He literally came down next to me. And in the midst of my tears, sweaty after the match, my dad reached over and he hugged me, sweat, tears, and all, taking it upon himself. And he encouraged me, and he loved me, 
At the very end, he gave me a swift kick in the pants saying, you will get back out there and finish what you started. But isn't that what we need sometimes too? And that's what the God who is with us does. He embraces us in our tears, in our brokenness, in our pains, in our hurts. He encourages us. He loves us. And sometimes he gives us that swift kick that we need to continue to do the things that God has called us to do. But he is a God who is with us. Who is with us so much so he reminds us that because he made a home with us, we will have a home with him forever. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, would you read these words with me? Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He came to make a home with us so that we will know that we have a home with him forever. That as he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, so we will walk with him in the garden once again on the last day. As we walk through the city past the tree of life, that is pictured in Revelation chapter 22. That his dwelling place is with us. I, I love that word where it says he will dwell with them. That word dwell is the same word that's used in John chapter 1 when it says the word became flesh and dwelt among them. It's actually better translated in an Old Testament image, tabernacle. That's actually the word in the Greek, it's tabernacle. That he tabernacled among them. The tabernacle, that physical place where God's presence came down to dwell is what Jesus is for you and for me. And God promises us that the God who loves us is with us always, no matter what you are going through. And God reminds us of how he is with us. In a few moments, you're going to come forward and you're going to receive the very body and blood of Jesus Christ because he is with you. When we spend time in God's word, which is why we keep encouraging you, be in God's word, it's here that God is with you. He's with you in your prayers. Because what does communication do? It builds a connection, does it not? And it's a reminder that God is with us. And you and I, we need that we need that reminder because there are times where we feel lonely, forgotten, ignored. In the midst of confusion, in the midst uh, of questions, in the midst of decisions, in the midst of depression, in the midst of stress, in the midst of our struggles, we are reminded that God is with us. And a God who is with you is a God who is ever forever for you. This is the God that we see in Jesus Christ in the Gospels. A God who reminds you who you are. 
made in the image of God. A God who reminds you that there is a sin that comes between him and us. And he is the God who enters into that in-betweenness to be with us. So that we might know the love and the grace, the forgiveness and the compassion of a God who says to you this day and every day, I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who is forever with us, who embraces us in our brokenness, who doesn't reject us because of our imperfections, because of our brokenness, but instead took that upon himself so that we might receive forgiveness. Thank you for giving us a Savior who is without sin, but took upon himself our sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. May we always embrace who we are because of the God who is with us and changes us. In Jesus' name, amen.